me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Attention Amber Media Studios in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. This is Two Up Front presented by Three Lines Pub. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. Welcome back to the studio, Simon Provan. How are we doing, sir? Doing well, Baxter. Doing a little, little frazzle today. You know, I've got uh, my... Your hair is a little all <laughs> over the place. That's why I kept my hat on. <laughs> well, I, I look you know, a little bit more put together. Hey, it's funny because I, I bought myself a knit cap that's very much resembles yours as well. Just yeah. different colors, different entity, but uh, I haven't had a knit cap in years. I, re- I got my... Uh, mine's a Green Bay Packer one. I got mine for Christmas... Two years ago, three okay. years ago, it's my right. favorite hat. It is so, so warm. We need to get two up front hats like this. Yeah. Well, you know, winter is finally here. It has decided With to... With a vengeance. Yes, yes. Oh, my Eight goodness. Eight degrees today. No, thank you. Lots of snow on the ground, too, but uh, this is the type of winter that I don't like. I don't mind the, like, 30 degrees and snowy winter. Right, I'll deal yeah. with that yep. for five months, whatever, but I hate the, like, snow on the ground and, like, single-digit weather. Well, it's also, it's, even sometimes the single digits can feel okay. It's the stinking wind chill that gets well, yeah, to you. Well, yeah, that's what you know? actually ends up killing everybody. It's like, why do I live in a place where the wind hurts my face? I'm like, I don't like that. <laughs> but I go to think about, oh, I moved to Florida. I'm like, oh, alligators, water moccasins, snakes. I'm like, well, I think I'm okay for now. We'll see. My wife is like, why do we live here? I'm like, I, I don't know. It's true, though. When you do look at how safe you are of the elements compared to other places. You yeah. Know, we, we don't get hurricanes here. We don't, we don't have scorpions running around. We have, there's one rare poisonous snake in Wisconsin. Chances of running to that you are you got to be like in the deep woods to right, find them, right. basically. So, you know, the biggest thing you might deal with once in a while is, is a possible tornado. But even then, that, that tends to happen in central Wisconsin. Doesn't really happen in southeastern Wisconsin. Exactly. So it's overall We haven't gotten a monsoon safe, from the lake or anything, right. you know, yep. too. So yep. I, think we're, I think we're okay. Or tsunamis, basically. But uh, we've got a good show for you today. We've got two guests. Uh, one that you uh, have heard on the show before, T.C. Ward. He'll be here to chat with us about the Champions League draw. Of course, no one knows the Champions League better than T.C., of course, at least in Milwaukee. And uh, in our second segment, uh, making her debut on the show will be Seattle Rain head coach Laura Harvey. So I'm excited uh, to hear her insight and uh, her thoughts. And we have some people from Twitter as well that have questions that we need to share with you. Yeah, absolutely. Well. Absolutely. I'm, I'm excited to talk to her, too, about how she's going to replace 
that midfield of hers yes. with, uh, you know, Keelan Winters not being there. We uh, get Christine Nairn, though, so we'll that's have, true. We'll have to that's see, true. but still, that's true. you great lose point. a lot of great veterans, though. It's, it's hard, regardless of one or two players, losing that kind of core veteran. Yeah, yeah. Of course, uh, let's, let's not be remiss here. You can find us on Facebook as well. It's a great way to reach out to us. Uh, find us on Twitter at 2UpFrontSoccer. Uh, make sure you use the number 2 there. As you had mentioned, Baxter, some of our, our listeners have already done wondering, hey, can you ask Coach Harvey about yep. uh, this, this, and this. Uh, you can also uh, find our own Twitter handles at Simon Provan at Baxter Colburn. Yes, indeed. A lot of great stuff to get to uh, on the show today. Uh, a lot of MLS stuff to get to just because the MLS season is finally over, so all the other crazy soccer stuff is like, okay, here we go. It's like, you know, off season, free agency, you've got everything going on. Now. Yeah, you know what's interesting for us, Baxter? This is the first year that we really dove in deep on the NWSL. Yes. And, and we've enjoyed every minute of it. Of course. So this is our first off season for both MLS and NWSL. Yep. Man, we're going to have to I, we thought we were going to have to get creative with how do we handle these next couple of months, but if it continues like this where every day there's big news coming out of mm-hmm. MLS, these blockbuster trades happening in NWSL, hey, our job's taken care of for yeah, us. Yeah, yo, you're absolutely right about that one. It, it's always fun to kind of, you know, see what the off season has in store because a lot of these deals have been made for a couple of weeks and then now it's like, okay, now we can officially announce the deals. So Right, right. Uh, a lot of good things to get to, but uh, yeah, yeah, for MLS, um, you know, the expansion draft takes place today for Atlanta and Minnesota. Kind of a cool thing when you go to MLSsoccer.com. Atlanta and Minnesota are now officially included on the left side of that little white line. Sure. So they are part yeah. of the official MLS. Only LAFC is the one on the outside of the line, but they'll be joining next year, of course. But uh, Atlanta uh, continues to make a lot of great moves. Um, they had Sean Johnson, and they traded him away. But uh, that was kind of a cool thing. I'm like, oh, good, they got a goalkeeper. But the big rumor is that Brad Guzan is going to be their exactly. goalkeeper. So, so he's not playing at Middlesbrough. J- just, just a quick thing. Are we officially kicking off the kick around here? Is, yes. this, is this part of it? I do believe so, yes. Okay. Kicking okay. off the kick around brought to you by Too Much Metal uh, for one hand. Um, and in yeah. case you're wondering about Too Much Metal, they sell rad t-shirts for rad people. Find them at TooMuchMetal.com. Good friend Fred Gillick there. Uh, He's a rad dude. Owner. Brad Dude, and of course, sponsor of Two Up Front. But yeah, Baxter, what you were talking about with Minnesota and Atlanta, it's, it's interesting because we see Minnesota Signing their own players Three from... Three defenders is what they have on their team currently. Right, so they have the two defenders from the current Minnesota United, yes. or, or, or the past the Minnesota past. United, officially now. Or whatever they uh, And then they traded for a player from uh, from Colorado. Jonathan Greenspan or something Right, like that, right, who, uh, you know, w- with the back line that Colorado has, Jonathan Greenspan's just not going to find time there. Not not when you yeah. have Holberg, uh, especially, especially somebody like Holberg. He's not going to overtake that spot. You're absolutely right about that. But it's interesting because if you look at the players of available in the expansion draft. You look at the players that are eligible overall for MLS free agency. There's some notable names on these lists and notable players that could still make a difference, but you also have to ask the question, and anytime, of course, any free agency comes around, especially in MLS where the teams have a pretty good idea of, you know, they're pretty, it's pretty, quote-unquote, easy to hold on to the players you want to. You see the players that aren't on these teams anymore it's like well then how good are these players actually still you know you look at a guy like kevin alston or you know chad barrett we know he's been out of the journeyman basically but uh nat borchers from portland you know kind of a thing it's like how good are some of these guys on the free agent market you know actually still anymore well and and one of the things you have to keep in mind is these mls teams have to play some type of game they so sometimes they put players out there like in the Galaxy's case where they're putting Robbie Keane on there they're putting uh, Steven Gerrard Landon Donovan they're yes. not gonna they're not For gonna the get picked purposes yes. right right um, 
you know, so these are unprotected players, but it's a game that these MLS teams are playing in which basically they know Atlanta and Minnesota are not going to take these guys. Yeah. Now, interesting, though, when Vancouver came into the league, when I believe it was Jesse or, or was it Montreal? One of the two. I think it was Vancouver. Okay. Uh, Houston Dynamo had not protected Brian Ching. And this is when Ching was right, you know, right, a big right. deal in Houston. Yeah. Well, Vancouver said, we'll take him. Cool. Thanks. So the Dynamo got ticked off. Brian Ching got ticked off saying, you know, this is, this is like a gentleman's thing. You don't, yeah. you don't take Brian Ching. And Vancouver saying, guys, this is business. Yeah. You, know, you and, left him and, out there. And, and this is some of, the, some of the things that these expansion teams can do, you know, be witty like this. Mm-hmm. So Vancouver knew that eventually Houston was going to have to give in and offer a bunch of money, which is exactly what Houston did. So Vancouver then, you know, they worked the system. And yeah. That's, now, Why not? At the same time, as a fan, it can be incredibly frustrating mm-hmm. that, you know, every, it almost seems like every other year you have this expansion draft. You know, and this is where a lot of fans are saying, "Okay, let's let's it, take yeah. it. Let's take a break. Take a break." <laughs> so you know, the the players that we love can actually stay with the team that they're with. Yeah, no, I would agree with you. But it, it it is kind of weird. It's almost like having to choose like your favorite child. I right. feel like yeah. it's like who do I love more? But then it's like, but we we do love you though. But 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 we just can't protect you. It's like, well, how does that make sense? But you look at Toronto. Stephen Bateshore is on that list. A fantastic defender for them. Clint Irwin, their starting goalkeeper. Benoit Cheru, starters that made a huge impact in you know in the TFC. Will Johnson, he's also in free agency as well too. Either Will Johnson or Johnson Will, depending on how Soccer America has it. He has them list him twice. Will Johnson, and then underneath Johnson, comma Will. Oh, is there? <laughs> I don't know why, but so I don't know which Will Johnson you're going to get depending on who you choose. But yeah, there's some big guys on here. You know, Nelson Valdez from from the Seattle Sounders, Quincy Ameriqua from San Jose. Obviously, each team gets five picks, so they're going to obviously be smart about it. Right, and every time a, a player does get picked from said team, that yep. team gets to take another player off of the unprotected list as well. Well, they're excluded from it, yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Once a team is, has a player protected, then the whole team is gone. Oh, is that what they're doing this I year? I think that's how okay. it works. Okay, because years past it was it was limited to two players being picked from a team, but that any time a player was picked from a team, they got to remove somebody else from the unprotected list. But oh. I also I, know it's, that... It's uh, all over the place Obviously, year. the owners and the expansion teams agreed on only five rounds, or one round of five rather than one round of ten, which is what they've done in years past. Yeah, which would have been interesting, though. I mean, there's a lot of good players out there. I feel like ten rounds could have really helped these teams really fill out a lot more instead of just giving them five players and then trying to use the salary cap or whatever you have to, to sign more players, especially for Minnesota. Well... Part of that is keep in mind that what the teams agreed to is that the two expansion teams get more targeted allocation money than anybody else. So they actually have an opportunity to go out and get their own players that they really do want. Yeah, whether it's MLS free agency or Europe or Central America right, or any right. place like that. And, and that's what's also interesting is, the, is their different approaches. I think you'll see Minnesota United use the expansion draft more than you will Atlanta United yes. for actual players. Atlanta United, as we saw with the Sean Johnson deal, Yep. I think they're going to use this more for trade bait than anything to try I to get more. So. And, you know, that's what happened with the Sean Johnson. Mm-hmm. They got him. It was rumored that he was going to Atlanta, but all they wanted him for was to ship him off to New York yep. and get more tele, uh, targeted allocation money and general allocation money. And if you're Sean Johnson, you're like, thank you, because I actually am going to go play at a fairly decent team now instead of the Chicago Fire. No offense to the Chicago Fire, but... NYCFC, for the most part, is a much better team. And I think if you're NYCFC, you're like, thank God, no more Josh Saunders. 
or the backup goalkeeper because he was awful. Oh too. my goodness! Oh my goodness! Uh, now they got to shore up that back line. They though, really for, do for NYCFC. Uh, and I'm curious to see you know kind of what all takes place. Harry Ship is on this list as well too from Montreal. That's the rumor that one team will for sure go after Harry Ship, a good young talent. Kind of fell off the face of the earth though this last year. Well, you got to keep in mind he was injured for quite a bit of it he as well, was, yes. so you can't blame him too much. Um, I'm just I'm going through the list, Baxter, as we speak here and and looking to see who else. Who else may get picked up? You know, it looks like Minnesota's taking care of, for the most part, defensively. You wonder if, you know, the the two guys that they signed uh, from their roster for the back line, if they end up being yeah. more of backups. But look at Toronto FC. If there's one player that I'm going to go for if you're Minnesota is Tosaint Ricketts. Yes. He's a fun player to he's watch. He's a fun player. I enjoyed him in the final. Even if you continue to use him as a super sub, I think he's a, he's a great striker to have on your team, Atlanta or Minnesota. Yes. I keep saying Minnesota again because I think Minnesota is going to use this more for players than than Atlanta will. So that that to me is one of the highlights out of everybody on these lists that's actual uh, an actual player that will get picked up. Yeah, I would have to agree with you on that one. All right, we're going to run to a break. Uh, when we come back, Laura Harvey of the Seattle Rain will be joining us on theshopfutsal.com. Call online. Stay tuned. It's Two Up Front presented by Three Lines Pub. Welcome back inside the Attention Era Media Studios. It's Two Up Front presented by Three Lines Pub. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. Rolling along with the program. Uh, reminder, as Simon mentioned, to open the show. If you want to get out the show, you can do it on uh, on Facebook and uh, more so on Twitter if you want to interact live with us. Uh, at Two Up Front Soccer, at Baxter Colburn, at Simon Provan. So great, uh, great show for you so far and some more exciting guests coming up for you as well. Uh, staying with our, our great guests, we have the first of our two that will be joining us uh, on the program here on the shopfutsal.com call in line. Uh, if, you, if you've been to the Cascadia region, Simon, I know you're a fan of the Cascadia region, uh, you've probably heard of the team, the Seattle Rain. They finished 8-6-6 six, and six in 2016. Uh, they just missed the playoffs by two points. But we get to chat with the lady that was able to command Seattle to a, another good season, but uh, has been a, a huge influence on, I believe, the soccer scene uh, in that Cascadia region. It's Laura Harvey of the Seattle Rain, and she joins us now. Uh, Laura, thanks so much for taking time to join us. How are you doing today? 
Morning. I'm good, thank you. Oh, we're excited to have you on. I guess it is morning over there for you. I mean, you guys, you're uh, are two you, hours behind. Over you are two hours behind. Yeah. yeah, I guess so. It is. Uh, it's mid morning for you. <laughs> Always so behind. We're at uh, we're at lunchtime, I guess, for us now. But uh, but Laura, we're we're excited to have you on the show. Uh, not not too bad of a season from from the Seattle Rain. Eight six and six. I know a little bit lower than I'm sure you and frankly a lot of the players on the on the team would have liked, but. Uh, give us your thoughts, uh, if you can, briefly about your, your your campaign, finishing in fifth place overall on the season. Uh, yeah, I think overall, um, with the standards we'd set ourselves in the previous two seasons, it was a disappointing season. Um, I think our um, expectation level and um, the standards we'd set ourselves was that we wanted to get into the playoffs and winning the regular season um, by 10 points the previous year was a huge achievement and I believe that you know we had to try and set our targets high again in 2016 and we did that but unfortunately we did we couldn't match them so we're working hard in this off season to try and make sure that um, we get ourselves back where we want to be which is in, in and around that playoff so going along with those plans for next season um, do you have any more insider information us about whether or not Hope Solo will be a part of those plans? Uh, no, I've spoken to Hope a few times. I think um, she's still looking at what the next step is for her in her career. Um, and obviously, if that was to be part of the reign, then that would be great. But it's a unique situation. Um, she's obviously had major shoulder surgery yes, yep. um, in September on a, on that. So it's something that we're we're monitoring with her and having discussions with her. But yeah, no update currently. Uh, Coach, this is Simon talking to you now. You've had a number of uh, retirements. Uh, of course, Kim Little leaving to go back overseas. You had Mano Malice, one of your you know your leading goal scorer, retire as well. So a, a lot of fans have reached out to us as well on Twitter. Um, so I'm going to ask the question as well. Do you, do you have any insight for how you're going to handle all those players leaving? Of course, you, you did bring in uh, Christine Naren as well. Uh, but as far as the NWF, NWSL draft, any other players that you may be targeting? Yeah, we've got some um, player players in the offing, I think, that we hopefully will be able to announce soon that um, we think can come into our squad and and help rebuild. And I think that's the big thing for us. It's about adapting um, and rebuilding. And obviously, the players that we've lost, someone like Kim, it's going to be really, really hard to replace her and get someone who is the same as Kim Little. That's just not going to happen. So what we're looking at trying to do is to adapt who we are and what we want to be, and then get players in um, of the calibre that we feel can play at this level. Um, Christine Nairn is a great example of that. She was with us in our first year and went back to Washington and continued to develop and, and show the player that we believe she could be. Um, and the time was right to bring her back because we believe that she can now have a real impact on our, Absolutely, on our side. Absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah, so there's, there's a few of the players that we've got... Um, in the pipeline, hopefully, um, and obviously the college draft's coming up in January, so we have two picks in that currently, um, and we're trying to find some players who we believe have a future, and I think the college draft is always tough. It's hard to find players that can make impact necessarily straight away. If you do that, then that's a, that's a huge bonus, but I think we're looking for players that we think have potential for long-term with our club now, which um, which we're really excited about. 
Talking with Laura Harvey of the Seattle Rain on the shopfutsal.com call-in line. Uh, one of the things, Coach, that we wanted to chat with you about, we've had her on the show before, Haley Kopmeyer. She is a, a fantastic goalkeeper mm-hmm. and did a very good job um, filling in, of course, for Hope while she was gone and uh, just kind of handling the overall pressure of, of what it takes to be a goalkeeper for the Seattle Rain. Uh, what were your overall thoughts about her, uh, her 11-game performance from you uh, for you guys this season? Yeah, Cops has had a, a great journey with us, really. Um, one that a lot, I think a lot of um, young players can learn from. Of, you know, she had a tough first year where we actually released her, but kept her around the kept her around the squad. And then from year two onwards, she's um, blossomed into a into a fantastic goalkeeper. I believe she's got huge potential to be. Um, someone that can really stamp her authority on this league. She went away to Australia last off-season and became goalkeeper of the year, which I think was a huge boost to her. So when she came back this year, and we always know in major tournament years that we were going to lose hope for a period of time. Yeah, of course. Hayley can step in, and, and she did that again this year. And I think when she does that now, the biggest part of that is the confidence that she brings is that, you know, as a club the stress of you know losing hope and not having her in goal was a lot less because she knew what you were getting with Cox. She knows who she is. She knows who she wants to be. And she's working really hard to try and be the best goalkeeper she can be. So, you know, we've justified her with that by signing on a new contract and getting her involved with the club. And, you know, as it stands right now, if Hope doesn't come back, she'll be there for our number one goalkeeping spot. So... She's had a huge journey, um, a long journey, I'm sure she'll say that, but one that we we believe still got a long way to go, and she's got a lot more to give, so we're really excited for her. Uh, Coach, I'd like to t- ask you about the the WL League. You actually have a, a number of players over in Australia right now, speaking of that earlier. Do you keep an eye on those mm-hmm. players while they're there? Do you stay in contact with them at all? Yeah, as much as possible. It's obviously difficult with the time difference and stuff, and it's been great this year that they're they're actually um, putting one game a week on ESPN3, so that gives us a chance to, to watch them play. And um, I'm lucky enough to have three of mine at one club, and then Christine then at, um, at Melbourne Victory, so they're all in the same city. And then Kendall Fletcher's down at, in in Sydney. So yeah, keep in contact as much as possible. Don't get to see them play as much as I would like, but. I always constantly nag them to send me video. <laughs> I think it's a it's <laughs> it's an important thing. I think that it's something we've utilised every off season, and for some players, they love it. You know, that's, that's exactly what they want to go and do. I don't, I don't think Jess has had an off season ever in her whole life because she just loves playing. <laughs> that's why um, she's one of the best, though, so, as well. Yeah, I mean, her body probably tells her something different currently. I think uh, sometimes it screams at her to have a break, but. Um, it's a it's a fantastic opportunity for the players and the leagues developing, um, especially with some of the overseas talent from America going over there. Mm-hmm. I think it's bolstered the league, um, and it's a league now that a lot of players look at as an opportunity and and potential to go and play. And especially those that love to travel, I think going to Australia for four or five months isn't a bad gig. Yeah, and as you mentioned, you got to feel good when you have Lauren Barnes, Jess Fishlock, and Diana's all playing together uh, on the same team with mm-hmm. Melbourne City. I imagine as a coach, it's it's mm-hmm. almost got to be refreshing to know that three of your players will be continuing to develop that chemistry with each other in in your off season. 
yeah, it's it's great. And um, Jess has a huge impact and huge influence at Melbourne City in regards to recruitment. Um, she actually does some coaching down there as well as playing, oh, which okay. I'm sure Bev and Lou would cool. have some great stories about. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, it's good because, you know, from her perspective too, she's learning the other side of the game, which... Um, which I think for some players is is they're always going to be their next step, and I think that's definitely one for Jess. So, um, yeah, it's great. It's it's a really good environment for them too. I think I think Melbourne released a video a couple of weeks ago of the facilities that they now have, and you know the girls get really looked after down there. So, yeah, it's it's great. I think it's a uh, it's something that, like I say, it's not for everybody. Not everybody wants to do that, but if they feel that that's going to help them to come back to us and be ready to go for the season, then I'm all for it. Well, Coach, I want to thank you personally for coming on. It was great talking to you. We've had a, a bunch of your players on as well, so it's always great when we can connect with the head coach as well. So uh, I wish you the best of luck in 2017. Absolutely, Coach. It's been an absolute pleasure. So uh, we appreciate you taking the time uh, for joining us uh, on the show today. Can we do it again sometime soon, hopefully? Yeah, anytime. Thank you. Thank Ab- you for having me on. Absolutely, Coach. Have a great rest of your day. There goes head coach of the Seattle Rain, Laura Harvey, on the shopfutsal.com call-in line. When we come back, we'll jump into the Champions League a little bit more and see what's going on. TC Ward will be here with us to help us sort through. And, of course, my Arsenal, they get to have a nice, easy, ha, just kidding, crazy test. Bayern Munich, really? Come on! At least it's better than Barcelona. Or maybe not. We'll find out. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. Stay with us. the Attention Era Media Studios. It's Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. Great conversation in our last segment with Seattle Rain FC head coach Laura Harvey. Great to hear her perspective about everything that took place and uh, her, her comments on uh, on Haley Kottmeyer as well, too, and a lot of the other fantastic players that she Yeah, Jess Fishlock. I didn't realize how much of an influence she had down at Melbourne City. It was, yeah, it was cool to hear about really, that as well. It's, it's awesome to hear that. But uh, we get to move along uh, from the women's game over to the European men's game. And uh, talk about the Champions League. Champions! Champions! Exactly. Yeah, exactly, Baxter. That's uh, We're very excited to welcome a man back to the studio. He's helped me co-host the show. He has. Uh, once or twice. It, yes. uh, he he tri-hosted the show with us just he a did. few weeks back. He's the uh, Academy Director over at Strike FC here in Wisconsin, T.C. Ward. T.C., welcome back, man. 
Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, TC. We are thrilled to have you back on the show. Uh, Champions League, uh, the, the round of 16 draw officially taking place on Monday. And uh, I'll be honest, as an Arsenal fan, I'm still upset. Why couldn't we have gotten Porto? Or why couldn't we have gotten anybody, basically, besides Bayern Munich? It's either Barcelona or Bayern Munich. I'm a little upset, TC. Can, do I have good reason to be upset? I think I do. You know, no, but yeah. <laughs> like, like, what do you mean, no? Here's the thing. If you advanced out of your group in Champions League, you're a good team. But it's Arsenal, now, would it be Right. <laughs> but would it be better if, you know, especially having won the group for the first time in five, six years, that we did get maybe someone that is perceived to be, you know, easier? Sure. But I don't know that Arsenal does better when they have a, a team that they're supposed to be in front of them in the States, like Monaco two years ago. True. You know, true, I true. think if, if you want to do well in this, you're going to play these teams at some point. And actually, you know what? To play Bayern, um, having, you know, the home field advantage for the second game, is probably better than meeting a team later on where maybe because of the way it shakes out, you don't. You know, so I would say it's not, obviously, it's not like you're doing cartwheels or I was doing cartwheels when it came out, but for an Arsenal team in the past, that would have been more leery, but the team that, you know, won the Champions League group stage in Group A and the team that's playing right now in the EPL, it's a different Arsenal team, and this Bayern team couldn't, couldn't win their group. Um, but doesn't doesn't so Arsenal exactly the same. D- doesn't Arsenal have a contract with UEFA that this is where they end their journey every <laughs> year? Say, yeah, it's like oh, yeah, yeah. They, um, same time yeah, next year. Yeah, they've got uh, um, they get sponsorship dollars and stuff like that. You know, <laughs> which, they I mean, is, which they don't spend on the transfer market. Right, and I mean the interesting thing is like when uh, I was reading something or, or watching a show a couple days before the. Um, the the draw and they were saying it was, the statisticians had figured that the most likely opponent of Arsenal was Real Madrid at like twenty five percent and geez. then the next most likely was Bayern and I'm sitting there like there's no way they're going to do this you know like <laughs> they don't whatever and and sure enough of course we get Bayern um, who I'd probably rather play yes um, than Real but. I mean, look, Bayern is stupid good. And you look at their roster, and it doesn't, as far as depth, it doesn't c- compare to any team in the English Premier League or really, I don't know that there's another roster as deep as Bayern's. When you look at, you know, guys like Robin and Ribery at this point can be coming off the bench. Thomas Mueller can be coming off the bench. So it's definitely not... It's not the worst not bench to have, that's easy, for sure. <laughs> No. But, you know, in the run-up to... Their first game um, at, in Munich, you know, Bar- or Bayern has three games in, yeah. uh, I don't know, 10 days leading up to it, whereas Arsenal only has two. So you wonder, if, you know, that will, even though they are very deep, you know, do they have first-choice guys for that game um, and things like that. I mean, I, I, I have Arsenal going through on a, um, you know, just because of the way that they can now play in that first leg. Instead of having to open themselves up and try and get a goal, you know, I think that they can fit in and absorb some more and hit teams off the counter, which they've been doing really well. Um, very good at that, yeah. Uh, in the league. And, I mean, they're not keeping clean sheets either in, in Champions League or in, in their domestic league, but I think they always have an opportunity to score. 
And so I think they're going to get two away goals, and that'll for you know they'll tie two two at the Alliance, and then they'll go back to the Emirates. They'll be able to sit in, and then they'll win two one. So I mean, maybe that's the Arsenal gunner in me, but I I just think this is a different Arsenal team with Mustafi added in, Shaka and Elneny added to the depth in the middle of the midfield. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, protecting the back four, and um, you know, Ozil and Sanchez and Walcott are all playing at the height. You know at the peak of where they're at right now or ever, have ever played. So I just think that this is a team that is significantly better than previous games, you know, or shift, um, shift, shifting teams on you, yeah. TC. I know you could talk Arsenal for the next uh, 24 hours. Yeah, I know. I know. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. Um, I'm going to talk myself into that. That's win. Right. <laughs> yeah. I say it enough times to hopefully win, right? Uh, question right. for you. I, I have to ask about Leicester. Of course, Jamie yeah. Vardy has finally yeah. breaks his goal scoring drought and in great fashion with a, with, with a hat trick against Manchester City, which I know you loved watching, TC. Um, Yes, it, Leicester's been doing really well in Champions League. You, you can almost see that they've put all their money, all their chips on the table for Champions League. How, what about this draw for them? They get Sevilla. Obviously, Sevilla's done really well in Europa League yeah. these past few years, which is why they, they're in Champions League this year. Is is this about the most leveled game that we're going to see, or level uh, series, I should say, with Leicester and Sevilla? Yeah, th- yeah and I think it's a team that Leicester... I mean, again, I'm not saying UEFA is corrupt with this Bayern draw and the Barcelona PSG or whatever, but it, this is like a story. This could have some storylines to it if if things go Leicester's way because as far as an opponent that Leicester probably wanted to play, it's a club or a team like Sevilla that is a high-pressing side that maybe is somewhat expected to win. And you see what happens to teams that high-pressed or tried to press um, Leicester last year, yeah, and obviously a team, you know, like Manchester City, who Guardiola does like to press a bit more and things, and they leave them, you know, spaces behind their back line for a guy like Vardy and Mares to get into, um, you know, and Leicester City in the Champions League, you know, only gave up six goals in their six group games, but five of those came on the last day against um against Porto yeah. when they had already won the group and they were trying to do some different things. So really you look at it one goal in five games. Not um bad. it's you know, I think that's where you saw kind of the Leicester of last year. Um and I think that Leicester's actually gonna advance two one, you know, just because they're gonna be able to sit in and hit off a counter. I mean, they'll play for zero zero ties if they need to, um, because they have the second game at home. Um and I think it, it's definitely not an you know Sevilla is third in the league right now in uh, in in La Liga and obviously they're back to back winners of Europa League so they're definitely tournament gurus but it's I think this is a team that Leicester wanted to, you know if if they could pick um, it's probably a, a team they match up well with. One of the other things I guess I'm curious about the the, the fans of the soccer world always want to know how's Real Madrid, how's Barcelona, you know, how are those guys going to do? Or even this year the the, re- the reemergence of Borussia Dortmund as well too. Of those three teams, which one's going to fall first? Well, I don't have any of them falling in the group or in the round of sixteen. Um, Rightfully so. Now, I'd be surprised as well. Yeah. So I mean, I think. After that, it really depends on, and I don't know how. Um, after this next, you know, game, how they uh, 
how they would meet. Um, but if I had to pick a team that probably looks the most vulnerable or, or you know, it's, it's probably Barcelona. I was just going to um, say that, yeah. You know, they don't have um, – they're just not really firing right now. They're, they're missing opportunities in games, you know, like against the Real Madrid um, and giving up goals, you know, that goal late to Sergio Ramos in the El Clasico. Yes. And I just don't think that they're the same Barcelona – um, but then again, they have a they have a front three that's probably worth close to a billion dollars in transfer fees. Also true. That if those guys, you know, so they're always capable of scoring, but I just don't see them as being, um, you know, where they typically are at this point to really have to make a run of it. I think Real Madrid also not exactly, um, you know, they didn't win their group with with Dortmund, you know, taking that group. Um, but they've also set a club record for 35 games unbeaten at home. True. Um, and so they've got enough talent and, and stuff. So I think they'll outlast the other two. I, I think Dortmund's really good, but when it comes down to really getting in against um, some of the other big sides, I think that they might not be able to penetrate or find spaces behind for Aubameyang, or however you say his name, Aubameyang, you know, to really run him behind. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I would say Barcelona first, PSG, I think, it, it, you know, I think all three are going to advance the next round, but I just think Barcelona, um, will get by PSG and probably in the next round, uh, they might be on their way. Well, Baxter, uh, not Baxter, Baxter's yes, across from me, TC. <laughs> it's always great having you on the show. We, like I said, we could talk to you all day about this. We'll make sure that uh, we check in with you in the Champions League, maybe Absolutely. after this uh, this round and heading into the quarterfinals. So, uh, TC Ward, director, Academy Director over at Strike FC, thank you for joining us today. All right, guys, thanks for having me. Anytime, TC. All right, there he goes on the shopfutsal.com call-in line. When we come back... We'll take a look at what happened in MLS Cup. I'm curious to get Simon's thoughts, and uh, we'll see if we can continue to try to sort through some of this crazy MLS offseason business. It's only two days, but still, lots happened. We'll talk about that and more. It's Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. Back after this. Presented by Three Lions Pub from the Attention Era Media Studios. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. Rolling along with the program. Special thanks to Laura Harvey and TC Ward for joining us on the shopfutsal.com call in line. All guests do appear on that call in line, and uh, we look forward to many more guests uh, appearing as well. Simon, uh, how was your weekend? Did you have a nice weekend? I did, Baxter. I had a. I don't, you, I, do? I don't know what I all did. I know I watched MLS Cup. Yeah, it was uh, um, an interesting final. Yeah, what else did I do? I, I, that's so far away. 
So far away. It was two days ago. Yeah, so far away. I guess. <laughs> I guess. Uh, well, you're 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 mentally not fully here because we know you're you're preparing for surgery yeah. on Thursday. Well, that's actually Tuesday. Next Tuesday that I have surgery, the twentieth. Oh, oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. But. Uh, but nevertheless, I'm I'm Still, taking this week to try to get a lot of stuff frantically done. Frantically racing around the house. Yeah, the house, the city, the county, the state. My goodness! <laughs> no matter where you need Simon Proven, he he will be there fixing things and helping the world become a better place. I guess, right? Yeah, yeah, that's we'll the theory, that. anyways. Exactly. Sure, sure, sounds good. Fair enough. All right. Well, MLS Cup 2016 uh, did take place Saturday evening uh, in Toronto. Over 36,000 people attended a BMO Great field atmosphere. record, and um, it. It, it took until penalty kicks for the Seattle Sounders to win their their first uh, MLS Cup, 5-4 uh, to four on penalty kicks after Roman Torres scored the final kick of the ball. Uh, your, your immediate reaction, Simon, from this final? It was surprisingly dull. Uh, my, my, my initial reaction is I thought the first 20 minutes, the first half in and of itself, that wasn't so dull, but as the game went on, it got duller and duller. And here's the big thing why for me i tweeted this out i said in the style of chris farley so some people will get this <laughs> remember that time when mls cup teams used to use their midfield yeah that was really cool <laughs> we didn't see that no in this game it was just there was so much long ball both of them trying to take advantage of i don't even know what well i think both teams overcompensated for each other's midfield if you talk about it, you know, it's like, oh, they've got, Seattle's got a great midfield. Oh, Toronto's got a great midfield. They just kind of canceled each other completely out. And it was like, well, let's just play the ball down the wing for 90 minutes to Joven Jones and to Stephen Betashore and hope for the best. Right. That's really what it came down yeah, to. Yeah, and it's unfortunate because what you would, you would like these teams to look at their own team and say, we've got a strong midfield. Let's take advantage yes, of it. exactly. We've got Michael Bradley. We've got a Nicholas Ladero. Um but it was it yeah it was it was it was very dull and then you get to the penalty kicks and you see Michael Bradley put up such a disappointing pass yeah <laughs> to Stephen Fry now that's the one thing all right Stephen Fry made this game exciting he did and that that, that save that he had off of Josie Altidore wow. going one way getting his body to lean the other scooping the ball just just outside of the goal yeah. uh that was great that was world class I do appreciate that the teams went after it, that they weren't afraid to work yeah. the ball upfield. What was odd for me for Seattle, though, is they seemed so trigger-shy the, the, the entire game. Well, they didn't have a shot on goal. No, they had three total shots over 120 minutes, not a single one on goal. Not a single one on goal. First team to win MLS Cup without a shot on that goal. That right there really made me upset. I was like, are you... But no, you but, shouldn't get it. But it, came, it was just so odd because... Uh, You'd see Morris with the ball just outside the 18, not rip a shot. Yeah, or Ladero, Ladero. or Alonzo. Right, everybody. You'd see them make a run down the midfield, and all they were doing were looking to cross. Every once in a while, you'd see them cut in, and if they'd rip a shot, they had an opportunity. Mm -hmm. Now, Toronto's defense did play a lot better than I expected them to. They did get in Seattle's faces a lot, but there were several opportunities throughout the game where Seattle had a clear opportunity at goal and just wouldn't pull the trigger, and it was... It was incredibly odd. It was it was really weird, especially when you're playing in in that type of weather. I know on the field it was apparently 60 degrees because it was a heated field, 
but still. But to not have to not test a goalkeeper, especially like Clint Irwin, we've seen him through the season make yeah. some major blunders. Yeah. So why not take advantage and, and make him work for some saves? You're absolutely right. Even Stefan Fry too. He's had he's had a, a back and forth kind of 2016 campaign as well too. There was the, the talent was on the field to make this game exciting. And then the whistle blew, and then they all forgot how to play soccer for yeah. 120 minutes. And I, I am a huge advocate. I hate scoreless games for 120 minutes, and then a penalty kick winner. I, I just hate I, soccer I, and games. I, and like I totally that. get that. I get that. I, I think it can be just as exciting it as can, a five-five game. If there's, but, I think if there's, and if there's 120 minutes worth of end-to-end action right. where both teams are like, "Holy cow! Like, what a great save or what a great shot!" Like, I get that. But like as you mentioned, the first half pretty decent. Second half, about 20 minutes in, I was like. Son of a gun, we're going to go to penalty kicks. I'm like, I just knew it. I'm like, yeah. I just know yeah. that's where we're going. And even when Josie, like when 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 Stephen Fry made the save, I was like, of course he made the save. Of course he made the but save. But see, not that for me is just as good as a goal. Yes, seeing a save like that is just and that's as, as good saying. as a goal. Had we seen that for 90 well, right, minutes or 120 right. minutes, I'd have been like, holy cow, best MLS Cup ever. I'd have been fine with the penalty kick. Be like, there's no way to separate these two teams, but. I just was really disappointed, honestly. Well, and, and of course, the surprise substitution of Javinko. There's some controversy there. Why he's injured? Well, that's I the was thing. So is, is, is people. some had... people were claiming that no, he, he the reason he was so upset is he didn't wave himself off, and other people are saying no. Watch the footage. He yeah. waves himself off. I had a friend text me, and he was like, "Why is Javinko coming off the field?" I'm like, "Because he is very obviously hurt. He can't walk." I'm like, "Don't put your star player through that." Well, and if you know, if you get that sense that you're going into penalties. You yeah. don't keep an injured player on the field. You try to put in somebody yeah. there that, that's, that's going to be able and to and take I a thought, shot. And I thought Toussaint Ricketts did a great job. He had probably the best chance for Toronto to score an extra time, too, with that outside of his foot one-time volley that literally kissed the outside right. of the post. Right. But right. I thought Ricketts did a fantastic well, job. Well, we mentioned this at the beginning of the show. He's He's been a great sub for Toronto. I would take him on New England. I would be I'd, more than fine with him in New England, honestly. Uh yeah, it was an interesting game. I mean, I think the players that came on the field for both teams uh, were, the, were the appropriate players. Yeah. And yeah. Rue, Will Johnson, and then Toussaint Ricketts for TFC, and then uh, Andres Ivanschitz, uh, Alvaro Fernandez, and Brad Evans. Those are the guys of the available subs that I would have been like, yeah, you guys should go on the field right now. And I, I, I like I said, and I think it was interesting, too, because when I was watching the game and when Michael Bradley had his penalty kick save, similar to your reaction, everyone's like, why did he do that? And my first thought is, well, if he'd have made it, no one would have cared. You know? Absolutely. That's, that's the weird yeah. thing with penalty kicks. You could literally tap the ball, but if it goes in and the keeper dives the wrong way, everyone's like, whoa, how cheeky. Yeah, you know? or I, I would argue, too, though, sometimes you hear... Uh, man, was he lucky? Yeah, you know? exactly. I, I just if you're stepping up for a PK just for a championship, just, just, hit just, just hit the thing. Yeah. I, actually, I think a lot of that had to do with tired legs. I agree. I don't think Bradley meant to hit that ball as weakly yeah. as he did, and I think he meant it to go a lot farther right because that was the. I mean, he as a it, that ball was so slow. Yeah, that Fry could have guessed the wrong way, gotten up and mm-hmm. and gotten back and still saved it. That's what was so poor about. Bradley's penalty kick taken. I agree with you on that one, too. And yeah, Justin Morrow, of course, having his decisive penalty kick rock off the crossbar. I was very much like, oh, it's RSL, SKC all over again with, uh, I can't even think of the player that hit it off the crossbar that allowed a Sporting Kansas City to win. But um, yeah, it was. you look at those those last like two or three penalty kicks, those were high-class top oh, 90 penalty yes. kicks. Like, yes. Those guys knew what they were doing. And I'm like, these guys were going last? I was like, wow. I'm like, the fact that you were lucky enough to get to them I thought was fantastic. Now, but who was the last PK taker for Seattle? Did you have that up on your Roman screen? Roman Torres? Torres, yeah. Like the winner one, you're saying? Yes. 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 Yeah. yeah, it was It was great. I don't know if you caught this on the broadcast, but uh, um, 
Schmetzer wanted to put him first or second, and he said no. Ladero no. did. Ladero was the guy that was that said he wanted to go fifth. I know I, what you're talking about. Yeah, I, I could have sworn it was mm, it was I whoever was, scored the game winning goal. Mm, I thought it was no? Ladero. Okay. I could okay. be wrong, but I thought it was Ladero. Yeah. From what I from my, from what I either way, Ladero Ladero had man. <laughs> that to me was was almost the highlight of the game. Yes, his his PK. Upper 90, slammed it in there. Yeah. Total confidence. I love how Josie's, out, Josie's penalty kick, too. He's like lost his footing. Just, yeah. just like, I put literally everything I have left in the tank into yes, that penalty yes. kick. Just go in the goal. And I'm like, wow, yeah, that was a good shot. So I don't mind that it ends on, uh, I don't mind that it ends on penalty kicks. Now, had the whole yeah. game been that as exciting as the penalty kick shot? Once again, totally well, and of fine course, with it. The unfortunate thing is, Baxter, it's, it's the first time since 2008 that this championship game is on network TV. Yeah. And to have it be the but here's here's what I say is championship games it's not unusual for them to be bore fest it's true you know and it usually it's because uh, they're playing so carefully with moving the ball up the field in this case it was just skipping over the midfield but yeah. if the networks were were smart they'd be putting the semifinal games on network imagine television imagine if they had put the TFC Montreal game on Fox. Just imagine right, that. Like right. that would have been but you, you, wall-to-wall you, action. You think about Champions League. You think about the World Cup. It's always the semifinals that are the most excited, and the yeah. reason is they want to get to that final. Yeah. So they're not playing safe. They're saying, "No, we, we're we're going to get there. We got to get yep, there." Exactly. So it's all-out blitz. I completely agree with you on that one. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense, especially from from that aspect of kind of things. It's like, look, this we got to get there, so we're going to throw everything at it and. You know, the final will be a whole other strategy kind of thing. But I think for those that were really expecting, myself included, for a lot of goals to take place, we're obviously disappointed. You had said 3-2, I had said 2-1, and then, you know, what happened happened, of course. But uh, I think Toronto has a lot of good things to build on going into next season. Seattle as well. They're going to have to figure out how to consistently replace Clint Dempsey. They need to go find another striker to help combat Jordan Morris. I don't know if Jordan Morris is a full-time outside midfielder. Right, exactly. It just seems a little anti-Jordan Morris. Like, it works at times, but you need somebody else to help with the one-two punch. Right, right. Well, it, the interesting thing is I, I did talk about how Seattle had a stronger defensive unit than Toronto. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought they played up to that, especially against uh, Stefan Fry there in goal. But but I thought I thought the players in back for Seattle did a wonderful job. And I just think the Toronto FC players surprised a lot of people defensively. I, I, listen, I know Justin Morrow's a good player. Uh, Badishore's a good player. Yeah. Um, it was interesting to see, going all the way back to the top of the show, Baxter, it was, it was interesting to see how much free agency did help out Toronto FC when you think about Will Johnson, yeah. uh, when you think about Stephen Betashore, uh, or Drew Moore is another one. I think Will yeah. Johnson was actually a trade. Um, but they got but, all those players out of free agency right. last year, and you're looking at it, you're like, oh, okay, that's a good signing, or oh, wow, it's like, okay. So then when you want to say to the league, and you want to say to the players, on the next CBA, look at how, look at how this little bit of free agency has helped mm-hmm. one team. Now, you know, open up the doors a lot more. Players Hold to wanting free agency. Strike if you have to strike. But this is a positive thing for the league. I agree. The league's got to take off the training wheels. Exactly. I completely agree with you. I'm curious to see how this you know, free agency year two goes. There's a lot of good players around. We'll see what happens after the expansion draft today as well, too, which will be taking place as soon as we get off the air at 2 p.m. Eastern time. So you can go and watch that on MLSsoccer.com. And uh, we'll know a lot more, of course, about what to expect from the Loons and from United as well. Are they going to be called United, or I don't, I don't know what the best well, way to identify them. Well, officially, as. they they're both United, so they're True. United in entering the league in the same year. Let's see what I did there. 
Uh, but the loons, it, it's their, the loons. it's not their official nickname, but that's what the fans call them. Yes, exactly. So, yeah. They're even listed on MLSsoccer.com for like one of their one of the things. It's like, oh, the loons did this. It's right. Like, okay, yeah. obviously. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. Maybe ATL for Atlanta. I don't know what you're gonna. I don't know. The Red Blacks. So Ottawa's got that. <laughs> anyway, we're gonna take a break. Uh, when we come back, we'll wrap the show up, do an I believe, and uh, see what else happens. We got ten minutes left to spare, so uh, who knows what's gonna take place on two up front? It's two up front presented by Three Lines Pub. Right after this, we'll be back. Presented by Three Lines Pub from the Attention Area Media Studios, I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. All right, Simon Provan, as we roll along with the show, a reminder, you can find the show Tuesdays and Thursdays live from 12 to 1 p.m. Central Time right here on Spreaker.com, and uh, you can go to our website, 2upfrontsoccer.com, to find past episodes of the program as well. Yeah, check us out on Facebook, 2upfront, and check us out on Twitter, at 2upfrontsoccer. That's the number two you're looking for, upfrontsoccer, and at Baxter Colburn and at Simon Provan are our personal handles. Yes, indeed. Oh, Simon, I was just asking you this off the air. Uh, rumors, apparently, that Fernando Adi of the of your Portland Timbers uh, may be going to Glasgow Rangers. That'd be interesting. You, you so know. I'm, I'm going to do my best Craig Burnley impersonation oh from uh, ESPN FC. Well, here's the thing, Baxter. It'd be very interesting to have the Timbers uh, send two players overseas. Uh, now I'm doing more Irish. That is. I really have to find it. Anyways, <laughs> let's see. i got to do Great. That's great. Here we go. So in Celtic, you'd have Darlington Nagby coming through, playing in the midfield there. That'd be a great move for Celtic. They're really strong, top of the Premier League table the way it is in Scotland on 40 points. Rangers right behind them, though. So they could use a great forward. Not scoring too many goals so far. Only 23 on the season. So having a big, strong player like Fernando Adi in there for them could be a big improvement. We'll have to see what happens. You're absolutely right about that. We'll have to see. <laughs> that was pretty good, wasn't it? That was it? actually good, yeah. No, you, did a, you did a pretty <laughs> but, good job But seriously, you are looking at this. Um, the Rangers, who, of course, you know, had been in the lower divisions because mm-hmm. they were sanctioned for bankruptcy and all that fun stuff, uh, only 23 goals on the season. You look at Celtic, 43. So you're looking at a difference of 20 goals there. Um, so Adi could play a, a strong role for the Rangers. Of course, you got to wonder how much would that transfer fee be? I yeah. mean, Adi's still very important to the Timbers. Timbers just got a forward, too, and uh, Kennedy Igbonanike as well, too, and a trade from D.C. United. He is technically on the, uh, the expansion draft available players, of course, since they just made the trade. But another strong, fast forward for you guys, though. So we'll have to see. Yeah, it, it depends. What kind of system does... 
Porter want to use? Does he want to switch more to a you know, a three five two, where yeah. maybe you're going to use some of that speed? Uh, does he want to stick with more of a four three two one, like he had with Adi in that system, where he becomes that target forward? So it really all depends on what type of system Porter wants to use. Exactly. No, I, I completely agree with you on that one. I mean, Portland. Uh, has some things to figure out next year, of course, because of all the injuries to the back line. So do you spend more time in the offseason improving your back line, especially if maybe Nat Borchers does get picked? I think so, yeah, absolutely. I think that has to be priority. You had too many injuries, and, and it it really showed the lack of depth in yes. the back line for Portland. They I can't didn't... have that again. They cannot have that again. I doesn't mean... mean you spend all your money on your back line, but... But you need to shore that up first and foremost. Yeah, I would agree with you on that one. New England, uh, I think I, I would love to see them just get a little bit more defense. Uh, realistically, I think the offensive power is there. Maybe another forward to help kind of uh, take off a little bit of the, the pressure from Kai Kamara and Juan Agadello. I think you've got two good forwards there. But I think a third forward to kind of be a good change of pace, like a Tosant Ricketts or somebody like that would be great. But uh, defensively, New England needs a lot of help. Well, speaking of shoring up and development, there was an interesting development in, uh, well, what would be the MLS-USL connection? And this one concerns me, Baxter, but FC Montreal has been folded. Hmm. That was the second team for uh, the Montreal Impact. And the Impact have signed uh, agreement with Ottawa Fury to basically use the Fury as, you know, for uh, using American language as their farm team. Yeah, the feeder. Yep. Um, the reason this is interesting, first of all, Ottawa had recently announced that they were dropping from the NASL down to the USL. And, of yes. course, when all this... All this gets figured out. It may be just a slide across to the USL, well, the Ottawa Fury, that is, you know, if USL gets that Division mm-hmm. Two status. But what's interesting about this is you have the Voyagers Cup in Canada, mm-hmm. with basically the Canadian championship that decides who goes on to Champions League. It's basically a very small version of the U.S. Open Cup. Sure. Now, in yep. the U.S. Open Cup, uh, and much like in Europe as well, in the Open Cup, you know, they don't allow teams that are owned or run by a parent team. For example, mm. LA Dose does does not get to play in US Open Cup. They did it in their first year of existence, but not anymore. Makes sense. And then even teams like Rio Grande Valley who are not owned by Houston, yes. but they have a very strong relationship with yep. Houston. Players are loaned out to them. Rio Grande is not allowed to compete in the US Open Cup. Makes the, sense. The, the Canadian Championship is small enough the way it is. You don't know if FC Edmonton is going to be back next year. Mm. So that leaves you basically the three MLS teams, and Ottawa. Hmm. If they follow the same thing, and I was referring to Europe, now in Europe, even during a regular season game, if a player is loaned from one team to another, when those two teams play each other in the regular season, that player is not allowed to play because they don't want any type of collusion to happen where basically the parent club says, hey, we really need the points for this game, so lay, lay down one for us. Yeah. So you wonder what what does that mean for the Voyagers Cup and fans are up in arms about this, you know. And the reason I say it's a concern is what type of signal are you sending as the Montreal Impact mm-hmm. of how much you care about the development of your players and quite frankly the the the, the, uh, the development of your academy. You're right, yeah, because how much do we hear about, you know, oh, FC Dallas has a fantastic academy or the LA Galaxy's got a fantastic academy from coming through the reins, but 
Yeah, I, I would have to agree with you on that one. I mean, you have to – at the end of the day, you're only as good as your academy really at the end because you know, that's the future. You can spend as much money as you want to now, but if you're not developing players at a young age, that's why we see guys in Europe, of course, come all the way through the ranks and then get those first team minutes and people will be like, wow, he's such a good player. It's like, well, yeah, he's been in our academy system for the last six years and that's why he knows the system. That's why he was able to come on at 18, 19 years old and make an immediate impact. So – I think that if MLS wants to continue to grow and say, hey, we want to compete with the big leagues, that's the way to do it. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And it's and it's not unusual to have second teams in a lower division. Of course division. not. No, I'm totally fine with that. But yeah, if MLS wants to, to continue to try to compete at a high level, they need to put more focus on their academies and the youth because America is massive. There's kids all over the country that want to play soccer. And these academies could go a long way to discovering the next people. Because how many times do we say, well, why come America doesn't get a Messi? How come America doesn't get a Ronaldo? Well, we probably have one buried somewhere, but we just aren't putting the uh, focus from an academy level for the pro teams on the youth uh, as much of a priority as it should be, I think. Right, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. But So it, it'll be interesting to see how this moves forward. You do wonder, were the discussions about this? Yeah. Uh, before the Ottawa announced they were dropping from the NASL, and did this have, did the, you know, was this part of that decision making of, hey guys, if we drop to USL, then we can officially have a relationship with Montreal Impact, and yeah. you know, those resources and and everything else that comes along with that relationship. Was that was that a major playing point or decision point for them dropping to the USL? Yeah, and now Montreal will be the only team that will have an affiliate team that isn't um, a secondary team because they've got Vancouver Whitecaps two or Whitecaps two and TFC two. Oh, out of the Canadian teams. Yes. Right, yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. Now Montreal will have FC Edmonton instead. Uh, Ottawa right, Fury. Ottawa, I'm sorry, yeah. Ottawa Fury. Ottawa Fury. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see what takes place, but uh, Canada always seems to have a little something cooked up for us. Do we have time for, for one more thing that's that's also interesting? Fastly, Okay, yes, okay. Fast. So, uh, news broke, quasi-news broke, that Beckham was giving up on Miami. Yes. And heading to Las Vegas now. Not my now. son, Beckham, by the way. <laughs> right, right, yes. He yes. loves Miami. It's beautiful. Uh, so, of course, the Beckham camp came out and said, no, 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 listen, we're, we are really dedicated to Miami. But apparently now we know that f- they have made a go at four different stadium sites have been turned down every single time. Yep. They've had a go at asking other investors to get involved. Those investors have said no. At what point do you say, give up on Miami? Not just David Beckham, but MLS, give up on this. As long as there's if, a potential source of money, Don Garber's going to be like, keep going, it's here's, great. Well, here's the thing. is What, what I don't get is, if I, I granted, I know they're not fans, but if they can't get any foothold, any backing from yeah. anybody in Miami, what makes them think that this franchise would be successful? Agreed. No, I completely agree with you on that one. Maybe he should just jump on what Tampa Bay is doing, at least, or you know, or another club that is actually going to be trying to push for expansion right now. But at some point, Beckham needs to realize that yes, this is maybe just not going to work. But you can still help the team expand. Why not? No, I don't think any team is going to say no. David Beckham, don't come help us. You know, get into MLS, but learn when one fight is over and pick a, a better fight that you actually have a better chance of winning. Well, and, and I will say this. If if it were true that he was actually heading to Las Vegas, there's another one I'm shaking my head at. Vegas is not a soccer market. It just isn't. Time now to close up the show with our I Believe segment where Simon and I both offer something we believe will take place in the soccer world. Simon, would you like to go first, sir? I will. It's going to be on track with what we were just talking about, Baxter, about five minutes ago. I believe that the relationship between Montreal and Ottawa will last for a couple of years, and that'll be it. Yeah, I'm curious, especially with the talks about the Canadian Premier League as well coming around. Um, 
we'll have to see if that actually does take place, of course. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to end up yeah. working out for him, honestly. Uh, I'm going to use my I Believe, actually, to be more personal and uh, wish my son, Beckham, a uh, happy one month. There you go. Well. So it's been a fast month, a crazy month, but uh, excited for him that he continues to grow and get uh, get bigger each and every day. So happy one month, Beckham. Happy one month, Beckham. Happy, br- not happy birthday. Happy, yeah, it's, I want to say happy birthday, right. but you can't. It's like happy one month to you. <laughs> it's weird. But either way, that's uh, we're a weird family in the Colburn house. But that's irrelevant. So uh, we had a fantastic show today. A very special thanks to Laura Harvey of the Seattle Rain and TC Ward from Strike FC for joining us on the shopfutsal.com call-in line. If you missed any of our show today, go to our website, twoupfrontsoccer.com, and check it out. Uh, you can also get it on the Sports Podcasting Network and on Spreaker.com as well. Yeah, find us on Facebook, uh, Two Up Front. Just put that in the search bar. We'll pop up. Find us on Twitter, at Two Up Front Soccer. The number two is what you need, at Baxter Colburn and at Simon Provan. All right, Simon Provan. You enjoy uh, your Wednesday, and uh, we'll see you back here on Thursday, right? That's, that's the plan. You're not leaving me yet? Not Next yet. Next Tuesday, not you'll, yet. Be, you'll be... I'll be gone. I'll be, I'll be uh, knocked up. out, yes. recovering hopefully well. Exactly. If I die, I'll have Sarah send you a text. Okay, good. <laughs> Simon's dead. Okay, Okay. thanks. I'm sorry. Oh, well, it's all good. He's not dead yet. Neither of us are. He's Simon Proven. I'm not dead yet. Uh, I'm Baxter Colburn. With our manager being the one above, we are two up front. If we go to page 11 in the presentation, you'll see that (laughs) you'll see we're on target to meet our quarterly. Some things never change, like nobody can resist (laughs) popping plastic bubbles and Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. As I was saying, we're on target to meet. Excuse me, um, Miss Miss Hanson. Sorry, almost done. (laughs) 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. So, let's say you're into yoga, or Pilates, or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us. With whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type 2 collagen, make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the stretch and flex smoothie in tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day.